So preach with me this morning. Get excited. We're gonna, this, is a, this is a full contact sport this morning. We're going to go all in. Jesus went all in for us. We're going to go all in for him this morning. We're going to be continuing on in our Philippians series today, and we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Verses 12 through 14. We were going to do a little bit further into it, but I was looking through my notes last night, and I called Pastor Chad, and I said there's a, there's a fine line between a, a, a good message and a hostage situation. So we're just going to go through verses 12 through 14. And this is what the word says, Philippians chapter two, uh, two I'm sorry, ver, chapter three, starting at verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We're going to talk this morning on press for the prize. Press for the prize. And this passage, if, if you're familiar with, with church, if you've been in church and been in Sunday school, you've, you've probably heard ministers speak on this particular passage a lot. It's, it's a good one. When I was in church growing up, I, I grew up in a, in a Pentecostal church, and this is one of those ones that the pastor would get up and, we're going to press towards the prize of the high call. And, man, everybody just get excited, and everybody would be running around and, you know, just, you know, just losing their minds and excited. And I, I'm not expecting you to do that this morning. So don't, don't, don't be like, man, I didn't wear my tennis shoes. It's okay. I'm not expecting you to do that this morning. But... In this Philippian series, Pastor Chad spoke through the first part of chapter 3 last week. He did a great job talking in these verses and in the text where Paul lays out the fact that nothing we could gain in this world would be as good as having Jesus. Does anybody believe that this morning? That there is nothing this world can offer us, there is nothing this world can give us that is as good as having Jesus. I've got friends that have a lot of things. They've got a lot of material things. They've, they, they've got great successes, but they don't have Jesus. And I can tell you right now, I pity them. I pity them because there's nothing as good. There's nothing this world can offer us that is as good as Jesus. There's nothing in this world that is as sweet as knowing him, as having that personal relationship with him, as, as, making, as him making us part of his family and part of his kingdom through faith in his son. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful to be part of the family and the kingdom of God. Is there anybody here that's thankful that you put your faith in Jesus? Is there anybody thankful that he's accepted you as his own? I'm thankful for it. I didn't deserve it, but he has. In Philippians, the, the verses right before the ones we read in 10 and 11, Paul states that he wants to truly know Christ in every way that he can, both in, in his power and in his suffering so that he can be resurrected to everlasting life with Jesus. And that's the goal of Christianity, right? That we meet him, that we know him, that we become like him, that we get to go and spend eternity with him. And we know that in our walk with him here, there are times that, 
that, that we're going to experience his power, right? We're going to experience, have moments like we did this morning where his spirit just comes and, and moves on us and we experience the goodness and the power of God. Then there's other times that we're going to experience suffering. It's going to happen. That we're going to go through hard things. Jesus went through very hard things. If he went through hard things, we're going to go through hard things. But there's this promise and this hope that when we are living with him, both in his power and in his suffering, that we will experience the same resurrection that he did. That we're going to rise and cast off everything that this world tries to hold us down with and we're going to meet him in the air and we're going to spend eternity with him forever and we're going to know him as he is known and I'm thankful for her that. That should be the hope and that should be the goal of every Christian. That should be the main focus of our life. Our focus is not just to come to church and know about Jesus. Our focus as, as Christians should not be just to come to the house of God and learn about him. Everybody, you know, well, well you know, I, I go to church and I, and I know about him. Well, that's great. The devil knows about him too. And I don't think things are going to turn out real well for him. I don't want to just know about him. I want to know him. I want to have relationship with him. I want to have daily interaction where he knows me and I know him. And we become one. Where we grow together in that unity. I'm excited about that. And so that brings us into verse 12, where Paul says, I have not already attained, I'm not already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. We're going to look at these different parts of these verses. Not that I have attained or perfected. It doesn't matter what station of life you're in. Doesn't matter what your bank account looks like. Doesn't matter what your family life looks like. Doesn't matter if you feel like you've reached the pinnacle of success in this world. None of us have arrived. There's not one of us that have made it. We are not perfected. Everybody likes to, you know, well, well, well I, I'm saved. Well, that's great. But the word saved in the original Greeks, what it says is, is and is becoming, is be and more. We are saved, but we are continually being saved. We're continually being sanctified. We're continually being made more into the image of Christ. And so, you know, I, I, I knew people growing up that, well, bless God, I, I, I repented and I got baptized and God moved on me. And then they sat in the same seat for 50 years and they, nothing else changed. It looked like they were waiting on a bus. That's not what it's supposed to be about. Paul, I mean, goodness, Paul, who suffered so many things for the cause of Christ, who wrote a third of the New Testament, he says, I haven't arrived. I have not already attained. I am not already perfected. We have not already arrived. If you walked into church this morning and you were like, I'm just here just to do my part because I've already made it. I'm sorry to burst your bubble this morning. You haven't. We're glad you're here, but there's more. There's more that you need to work on. There's more that I need to work on. 
We, don't, we have not made it. We are still working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It is an ongoing process that you and I have to do day in and day out. But here's what I love about Paul. This is what he says. I haven't made it yet, but I press on. I press on. Why do we press on? Paul also said, follow me as I follow Christ. We serve a forward-moving God. We serve a God who does not sit still. He is not stagnant. He is not just sitting in heaven, playing solitaire on his phone, waiting for everybody to arrive. He is forward-moving. He is constantly going forward, expanding. You look at the universe. I, I, I saw this a while back, and I thought it was just amazing. They say that the universe has never stopped expanding. I heard a, a report that I, I forget how many years they said in the future it is, but the size that the universe is right now, it will double in size again, as in it's done it before. Well, how is that? Because I believe when God said, let there be, he never said, okay, stop. He said, let there be, and then left it at that. And so it's continued to expand. He's continuing to be forward-moving. And if he is a forward-moving God, we have to be a forward-moving people. We haven't arrived, we haven't attained what we need to do yet, so we continue to press on. We continue to move forward. We continue to go further. You ask guys, and obviously not me, because the, the, the biggest muscle I have is, is I'm trying to hide underneath this jacket. But there are guys that when they're at the gym, they're huge. These guys that just like, it looks like they just live there. And all, and all they do is just is work out. Like that's their favorite thing to do. That's their, that's their national pastime. And they're going over and they're still working out. And it's like, you look like you don't ever need to do that again. I mean, like, like if I could have like half of the muscles you do, I, 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 would, I, I would never come here again. I would just walk around all the time and just, just flex in front of everybody. That's all I would do. But they know that to keep what they have and to grow on top of it, they have to keep pressing. They have to keep building. They have to keep moving. You look at, there are people who diet so well and, and, they, and they just eat so well. And God bless them, I, I wish I could. I just, y'all pray for me, I ain't got there yet. But, and, they, and they're fit. And you know, my, my father-in-law is like this. And he, he can run like eight miles a day. And it's just, it's ridiculous. He runs eight miles a day and then he's ready to go have fun. I, I run like, like a quarter of a mile and I need an oxygen tank. And, you know, we're, we're, thank you. So somebody else understands my plight. But he continues to do it. It's like, man, you already can do that. You're already in great shape. Why, why do you put yourself through that every day? Because he has to continue to press on. Because if he stops eating right and he stops running, then things fall apart. Things stop working the way that they're supposed to. And that is 
the same that it is with us. We serve a forward-moving God. We serve a God who's constantly in motion, who's constantly doing things. The Bible says he doesn't sleep or slumber. He's always moving forward. He's always doing things. We sang about it this morning, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop working. You never stop moving. You never stop doing what it is that you need to do. And if we're supposed to be made and conformed into his image, then guess what? We have to press on. We have to keep moving. We can't stop. Why can't we stop? Paul says that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. We focus so much when we press on about the fact that, oh, there's something that I got to grab a hold of. But the reason that there is something that we need to grab a hold of is because when I didn't deserve it, and when I was down and out, and when I was on my way to hell, Jesus reached down and grabbed a hold of me. I wish somebody heard that this morning. He reached down and grabbed a hold of me. He reached down and grabbed a hold of you. We always act like, oh, you know, we're the ones that are reaching for God because he's not. No, he, he, he already reached for you. He's, he's already reached for you. And if you're running from him, he's still reaching for you. He's still trying to grab a hold of you. He's still trying to bring you in. And if we're supposed to be like him, if he's going to lay a hold of me, then guess what? There's something I need to lay hold of. There's something that he's calling me to come and grab a hold of. He didn't save me just so I could sit on a church chair. He didn't save me just so I could come to church on Sunday morning and, 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 and give my tithe to him and to sing a few worship songs together. And those are all important things. But that's not the only reason why he saved me. We see we all have purpose. We all, there's a purpose that he's called us to. There's a reason why he created us and why he put his hands on us and began to pull us towards himself. And we need to lay hold of what it is that he called us for. We need to be reaching out and actively trying to grab a hold of what is it that he saved me for. Not just what he saved me from, but what did he save me for. There's a reason why. There is a reason why he saved you. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it's a popular section of verse. For, you are, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God did not save you just to keep you out of hell. This is not a game of Monopoly. Jesus is not your get out of hell free card. He saved you for a purpose more than just to escape hell. There's a mission that each one of us are purposed and created to fulfill. Wasn't it Jesus who said, greater works than these you're going to do? He said, you're going to go and do this. Those who 
believe in me, they're going to cast out devils, they're going to speak with new tongues, they're going to lay hands on the sick and see them healed. There is purpose, and that purpose is to fulfill the mission and the reason why he came. There's a lot of times that, that we get caught up in this idea and it's become prevalent in the church. The, the, what is the purpose that God has for me? What is the purpose that God has for me? No, listen, we all have the same purpose. We all just have different plans of how we get to that purpose. That purpose is for you to love God, love other people, and do what Jesus did. That's our purpose. Our purpose is to see the kingdom of heaven come to earth. Our purpose is to see the kingdom expand wherever we are. The plan might be that you're going to do that in a doctor's office, or you're going to do that in a sales job, or you're going to do that in a factory, or you're going to do that in a hospital, or you're going to do that at school, or you're going to do that in your own home, or wherever you are. But the per That's the plan, but the purpose is bring heaven to earth. The purpose is see the kingdom expand. The purpose is to see the name of Jesus exalted wherever we are and in whatever we're doing. Does anybody believe that this morning? All right, that was verse 12. There's a reason why I told you we, 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 I didn't go any further than what I did. Philippians 3.13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended... But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Again, Paul reminds us again, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I haven't arrived. I have not achieved it. There's something I'm still reaching for. But this one thing I do, I have to be active in doing I have to be active in doing for the kingdom. Look at Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples. Look at that. That doesn't say go therefore and sit and hope that God comes down again in human form and makes disciples. He told them go and make disciples. It's action. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, teaching them, not hoping that they get it, not hoping that 40 minutes on a Sunday morning is enough to just make it all seem so clear to them. No, taking time, investing in them, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The gospel of Jesus Christ is go. That's the gospel. You want to know what the gospel is in a very short version? Go. Do. We have to be active in our faith. We can't fulfill the purpose of God by sitting still and letting the world go on and letting our coworkers go on and letting those that we're in contact with go on without hearing the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't just sit and wait and hope that they're going to walk into our church building. We can't just sit and hope and wait that somebody's going to reach to them. That's our job. That is our job to go and to reach them to go and to tell them, to go 
and to make disciples. So that one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. I think some of the reasons why we have such a hard time going and doing is because we keep driving trying to look in the rearview mirror. We have a hard time letting the past stay in the past. We have a hard time not looking at the rearview mirror of our life and going, oh, no, 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 that's not, I can't. I can't. I'm too shy. I've messed up too many times. I've, I've done stupid stuff. I, no, 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 it's, I, I'm, just, I'm just good just to come to church on Sunday morning, and I'm fine. And, and that's, that's about as good as I can do. No, Paul says, forget those things which are behinds. There are some things that are in your past that need to stay there in the past. Quit dragging them along with you. Quit dragging them with you. My goodness. Listen, I've, I've got two little boys that I love to death, and the happiest day of my life was the day that both of them learned how to use the bathroom all by themselves. Amen. I'm going to run the aisles by myself on that one. I was so happy. When we had our first child, I told my wife, if you can take care of that side, I got this right here. I don't care how messy and what, I, I got this. You just, and she wouldn't go for it. Y'all pray for her. It was so mean. <laughs> but that is all in the past. You know what I don't do? I did not keep every dirty diaper and drag it with me everywhere I go. I did not get a, I did not get a hefty bag and tie it around their ankles and keep putting it in their ankle and making them drag it everywhere they go. There is some stuff that's in your past that you need to just leave it there. There is some stuff that you need to just leave it there. Micah chapter 7 verse 19 says, He will again have compassion on us and he will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. I want to tell somebody this morning, don't stay stuck in a past that God has already moved on from. Don't stay stuck in a past that God has already moved on from. He's already moved on from it. Why are you carrying it around? Why won't you let it go? There, remember, he's, he is forward. There is things that he wants to do in your life. There's a purpose that he's called you to. There's, a, there, there's an act, action that you need to take to follow him and to do. Don't stay stuck in the past. Don't keep dragging that stuff along with you. He's moved on from it. You ought to as well. Well, the, the, the devil just keeps bringing it up. Good, leave it with him. He already stinks. Leave it with him. Say, you can have it. It's not mine anymore. God's already forgotten about it. He's already thrown it into the depths of the sea. I'm not going diving for it. I'm going to leave it there. Romans 4, 7. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. I'm thankful the Bible says, I'm blessed. Why? Because 
My lawless deeds have been forgiven. The, the dirty diapers of my life have been forgiven. Those things, those sins, they're covered. And if you know you've been forgiven and that your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus, leave them covered. Leave them covered. Don't go digging. At, listen, the blood has covered them. Leave them there. Let them alone. Well, you don't understand. There's people who they keep coming up and they keep wanting to. Listen, if they want to go trying to dig underneath the blood of Jesus, you let Jesus deal with them. You don't, you, you don't need to listen to that. It's already been covered for you. If they want, if you got, well, I remember when you used to come and you used to do this and that. Well, that's great. If you want to go try to find that underneath the blood, the Lord have mercy on you. But I'm going to leave it there. I believe his blood covered it. I believe my sins are forgiven. They are covered. They are gone. I don't, I don't have to carry that with me anymore. He says, I for, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. There's a couple of verses in Jeremiah. I know he was speaking specifically to the, to the Hebrew people in this time, but I still believe that the word of God is good today as much as it was then. Jeremiah 1.5, he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. In Jeremiah 29.11, he says, As far I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Regardless of your past, God has a future for you. He still has a future for you. He still has a plan for you. There is a purpose that he has put you on this earth to fulfill. And you need to fulfill it. There's a future waiting for you. Pastor Nick, you don't understand. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. I can't do some of the things that, that I think maybe God wants me to do. Listen, the Bible says that God knows the end from the beginning. He knew everything you were going to do before you were born. He knew everything you were going to say, every mistake you were going to make, every problem you were going to have, every addiction you were going to struggle with, every single thing. He knew it ahead of time. And if he still called you, then God has factored in your past, the good and the bad, already, he's already factored those into his plan to give you a future. He's already factored them in. You don't understand what I've done and what he's already factored it in. He knew that before, and he still called you. He still saved you. He still redeemed you. He still put up you on a purpose and a path for your life. He knew it already. Let it go. Let those things go. There's something that you're pressing towards, there's a future for you. I love the way that that says that. It says reaching for those things which are ahead. There is something ahead. 
Everybody that's still breathing, raise your hand. All right. Medical professionals, if you saw somebody not raise their hand, go to them now. You're still breathing. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. He still has something for you to do. There's something for you to press on into. There's something for you to lay a hold of. He's already laid a hold of you knowing your past, knowing what you were going to do, knowing the struggles and the mess-ups in your life. He went ahead and laid a hold of you anyway. Now he's got something for you to press on into. He's got a future for you. It is waiting for you. Verse 14, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in, of God in Christ Jesus. What is our goal in this Christian life? What is our goal in our relationship with Jesus? Colossians chapter 1 verse 9 says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Philippians 2.13, Pastor Chad already covered this in this series. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Our number one goal as Christians is to please God. Our number one goal in our walk with Jesus is to please him. Our goal should be to please God with all of our life, and with everything we do. That's what he says. I press toward the goal. We've, we, we, we've built this, that we're pressing on, right? We're forgetting what's behind us. We're moving forward. We're pressing on. We're, there, there's something in the future. What are, we, what are we pressing on into? What are we pressing towards? We're pressing towards a life that is pleasing and acceptable to God. We're constantly supposed to be reaching towards a life that makes God smile, that makes him happy, that makes him love what it is that we're doing. Why are we pressing for that goal, for the prize? Well, what is our prize? That's right. There's so many times we ask the wrong question. The question is, well, what, what, what is the prize? It's not what is the prize, it's who is the prize. We've sold Christianity as this thing where you just follow Jesus and he's going to give you the biggest bank account and the nicest house and the prettiest wife and the nicest car and everything's going to be smooth sailing. You're never going to have another trouble in the world and one day he's going to take you away to heaven where it's going to be even better. I missed the bus on that one. Anybody else? I did, I, that, that's not been my experience. I've not seen everything go perfect. My prize isn't a house or a bank account or a job. My prize isn't the fastest car or the best thing that's out there. My prize isn't the prettiest wife, even though I already got that. I made a comment this morning in huddle. I'm making up for it now. 
<laughs> it isn't what is the prize. It's who is the prize. Look at Genesis 15.1. You look through the beginning of Genesis and the, the conversations that God and Abraham had. And he says, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to multiply you, and your, 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 your seed is going to be like the stars of the sky and the, and the sand of the shore and, and all these different things. And you're thinking, my goodness, that's the prize. God's given him his own country, his own nation, all this stuff. Look what he says. He says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Heaven, as great as it's going to be, is not our prize. The new heaven and the new earth is not our prize. Eternity is not our prize. Loved ones that have already went on before us and have passed over into eternity are not our prize. Those are the perks and the bonuses. Those are the gifts and the blessings that God gives to us when we're his kids. But that's not the prize. There's an old song that we used to sing when I was growing up in church that says, Oh, I long to see him and to look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. I think we've forgotten sometimes in church that Jesus is the prize. Jesus is the prize. Not what he can offer us, not his benefits, though he has many. Not the things of this world that he can bless us with, though which he does. But Jesus is the prize. There was an old song my dad used to listen to a lot of uh, old uh, southern gospel music. And there, some of it I liked, some of it I tolerated. But there was one particular song that just used to irritate me so bad. And the song was that Jesus is the ticket to heaven. And I used to get so irritated every time that song came on. And, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the, the quartet that sang it, the, the lady who was lead, I mean, she was just enthusiastic about it. I thought, that's so messed up. That's so wrong. Why? Because Jesus is not my ticket to heaven. He is not my get out of hell free card. Heaven is my access to Jesus. Living a life that is pleasing to him is my access to him. He is the prize. He is the prize. He's what I'm pressing towards. He's the one that called me. He's the one that gave me purpose. He's the one that is constantly reaching for me. He's the one that gave himself for me. He's the one that said, put those things behind you. Go forward with me. I'm reaching for him. My goal is to please him. Why? Because there's a prize and his name is Jesus. And I get him a little bit here on earth. But there's going to be a day when I'm going to close my eyes here. And I'm going to wake up in eternity. And you better believe I'm going to do everything I can here. Because I want my prize when I get there. I want to see his face. I want to hold his hands. I want to walk with him and spend eternity with him. He's my prize. He is our prize. Jesus is our exceedingly great reward. I press on toward the goal of the pri for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's our call? What is our call? 
Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. We are called to fulfill his purpose. I said this earlier, but we get so caught up in our purpose. What's my purpose? My purpose is to make my purpose his purpose. I said that backward. My, my purpose is to make his purpose my purpose. That's my purpose. My purpose is that his purpose is done. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not mine. Not what benefits me the most. That, not, not that which makes me the happiest. Not those things that make me feel just so good inside. Jesus brings those things to us at times, but my purpose is to make his purpose a reality. That's our purpose. You notice that what that says to those who are called according to his purpose. We're called for his purpose. Every single one of us, well, Pastor Nick, I'm, I'm not called to be a to, to be a, a, a preacher or a pastor or anything like that. That's fine. The Bible says that we are all abled ministers. Well, I didn't want to be a minister. Well, when you said Jesus come in my heart, welcome to the party. You became a minister and you didn't even know it. You don't have to get up here and preach. You don't have to put together a message. But the purpose of bringing the kingdom of God to earth, that's part of your job now. That's part of your assignment. That's your call. That is your call. We are called. We press on toward the goal of the prize, Jesus. Of the upward call that, that, the, that the king of glory, that the one who gave everything for us, has called us to come and work alongside of him. To come and work with him and let him work through us. We're called to fulfill his purpose in our lives and through our lives. His mission. The advancement of his kingdom. His purpose. Not my purpose. We need to get an understanding of that in our Christian walk. That my goal is to see his kingdom come. My goal is to see that his will is done on this earth like it already is in heaven. That's my goal. That's my purpose. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm pressing on. That's why I press on. Why? Because when I forget those things that are behind me and I press on to what's ahead, and I make my goal to please him, knowing that he's my prize when I reach that goal. The way I reach that goal is I follow along in the call that he's placed on my life. What is that call to fulfill his purpose? That's the call. I love the way that Paul just puts it all together like that. I'm going to let those things go that are behind. I'm going to reach forward 
There's a call. There's a goal. I'm going to live the life that pleases him. He's the prize I'm going to have. And in order to obtain that goal and that prize, I'm going to make this earth someplace that he can come and inhabit. I'm going to make my area someplace that he can come and inhabit. If you would, why don't you stand with me this morning. I saw something interesting this morning, or not this morning, but this week. I was preparing and I, I listen, I, I'm not the person, I'm, I'm not a great science person. When I was in school, science was my least favorite subject. I didn't learn anything. My wife is like telling me about stuff that clouds do and I was like, wow, that's amazing. She's like, how did you not know that? Just didn't. But I saw something this week that caught my eye and there's an event in a plant's life. It's called phototropism. And this is where a plant will begin to rearrange the chloroplast and the cells that it has so that it can get the most light so that it can grow. It begins to rearrange itself. It begins to change its makeup so that it is placing itself someplace where it gets the most light that it can so that it can grow to its potential. So that it can grow to what it was meant to be. And this morning, I believe that there are people here who need to experience phototropism in a spiritual sense. This is what we do when we press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We are allowing God to come in and change things inside of us. Well, if I was just in a better place, if I just had more of this, I'd, the plant doesn't replant itself. It just allows there to be a change inwardly that positions it where it's already at to be the most effective. This morning, I'm going to invite you to pray. And if you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, if you've never made him Savior, you've never made him Lord, then I'm going to invite you to come to this front area. And we're going to pray with you. You're going to experience new life this morning. You're going to begin to take your first steps towards experiencing Jesus in a way that you never have before. Or if you're a Christian, but you're like, yeah, I need to rearrange those things in my life so that I can better press towards Jesus, so that I can better fulfill the purpose that he's called me to, so that I can better do what it is that he wants. I'm going to invite you to this altar. Well, Pastor Nick, I'm already pressing, but I want to press more. I want to press better. I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I want to get more of Jesus. I want to go deeper. I want to know him more. And this altar is open for you too. So I'm inviting you right now. If you've never met Jesus, come and we're going to pray this morning.
and he, you're, he's going to become the Lord of your life. If you need, you say, I need to rearrange things in me. I need to come closer. I need to become more. I need to press better. I need to press more. I need to make him my prize. I need to make him my goal. Then I'm inviting you up here as well. We're going to open this altar. And I can tell you right now, I need to press better. I need to press more. I need to forget some things that are behind me. Maybe there's somebody here that the enemies just, just beat you up with, with your past. You need to come up here and you need to deposit it and let it go here. You need to come and experience a fresh, new touch from him. Maybe you're saying, I need to, I need to go further. I need to press on. Come up here and do it. Come up here and we're going to pray together. I need to make him my prize. I, I, I have friends that I, I, I knew grew, grew up in church and Jesus wasn't their prize. It was everything else he had to offer. If you, if, you can, if you can look in your heart and you say, I have not made Jesus the prize. This altar is open. You can come and do that this morning. They're going to begin to sing and, and to play. And we're just going to pray together this morning. Is that all right? We're going to pray. We're going to believe that God is going to do some changes in us. Thank you, Jesus.